Hello and welcome to Ruth Bear's Witness the Podcast, where you can listen to the stories I've written in my blog post. Thank you for joining me today for my blog post entitled The Absurdity of Racism as part of my Confessions of a Recovering White Supremacist series. Before I begin, I want to make the caveat that I wrote this about five years ago and it's the first piece I ever wrote about racism. It was extremely scary to try to bear my soul to the world in this way, and it still is, because too often our experiences are negated or we're told it's something completely different, or that we're liars, basically. I also want to give the caveat that there are some intense language in this um, episode, and so if you have young listeners, be aware. But here's the thing. If my 8, 9, 10-year-old has to hear these words shouted in his face, then maybe you can handle it too. Racism is preposterous. The very idea of it. That someone can muster up vials of hate over something so arbitrary as pigmentation. Like hating someone for having freckles. And not hate like, I hate Brussels sprouts. More like this kind of hate. I will degrade and dehumanize you because you are worthless. So fear for your safety. It is so abhorrent, even ridiculous, that some who have never had it directed at them assume it just cannot exist any longer, or that there has to be some explanation for the lunacy of such a crime. It is simply unbelievable. Long before I became a part of a multiracial family, I could easily sympathize with the hurt of what such hate does to the people in its path, but I really had no idea what it felt like. I couldn't. I had nothing to compare it to in my personal experience. I felt the humiliation that comes from condescending sexism from my male counterparts at times, but condescension is not the same as hate or violence. It is not the same, so I can't pretend that it prepared me for the ire of racism. I've parented children from three different races up to this point. My son is from West Africa, and I had a biracial foster daughter who was primarily Hispanic in our home for six months. My biological daughter and my foster baby are both white. I have quite a racial experiment or microcosm here. I've been given a perspective on how the world sees each of my children and how my children see the world they live in. We live as one family, but each child's experience has been very different because of their differences of race. My white daughters have never experienced what my children of color have, although they witness it. My daughters have never had other children refuse to hold their hand, hug, or high-five them because they look dirty. I've looked on as my friend's children happily give my white daughter a big hug to say goodbye, but shiftily look away and refuse eye contact with my black son, refusing to touch him. No one has ever asked my eldest biological child why we would bring home another white foster baby. In fact, they won't stop talking about how cute she is. But they have asked her with all the scorn and disgust they could muster. These are children, mind you. Ugh, why would you bring home a Mexican? 
all of these experiences hurt and cut while you watch your children treated in these ways. But even these experiences don't add up to hate in its evilest, most hurtful forms. I have to constantly remind my children, the problem is not with you. The problem is the person who's expressing their hate. We have had several incidences with the general public that have rocked our world. A few of the incidences I did not personally witness, so I cannot speak to the charged nuances of the situation. But of one particular day, I can. We were minding our own business and tending an outdoor church service. A very disturbed and angry man approached the church yelling obscenities at all of us. Then he noticed that there were people of color in our midst and started calling all of us Martin Luther King worshipers. Fine, whatever. Just a crazy idiot to be disregarded. As he was being forcefully steered in a different direction away from the congregation, he spotted my son. Why he picked him out of the crowd, I will never understand, especially since he was not the only person of color present. This man looked at my little boy right in the face and spewed the most hateful, vile, violent words I have ever heard someone yell at a child. You. You little fucking nigger. Yeah, I'm talking to you, little nigger. And by the time that half of the congregants were on their feet chasing that bastard off, my son already had the damage done. If you could have seen my sweet little boy's face, you would never be the same either. He didn't know what nigger meant but he felt every stab of hate thrown at him with the look, the tone, the sheer evil. And now he has to carry the weight of nigger on his shoulders. I don't cry over anything, but there I did. Blind, impotent, helpless rage fills you up. I felt it because he is my child. The hurt he encounters hurts me too. I've said it before and I'll say it again. We are not a white family with a black child. We are a multiracial family. We are all in this together. When hate is thrown at any one of us, it hurts all of us. He cried in his daddy's arms, a long lanky boy hanging onto his, his father's neck. in the terror of what had happened. Like a Rottweiler sitting in your lap during the thunderstorm. It's scary and it hurts in ways I can't describe and that still hurt all this time later. I can identify with the rage of rioters and protesters, but justice won't prevail in these moments or in courtrooms. I was reeling for weeks after this and he wouldn't let me out of his sight for about a week. He hung very close, unsure if someone else would try to steal his dignity again. How do I protect him? How am I going to keep him? How am I going to help him safely reach adulthood? I won't always be around to shield him from hateful words, fists, or weapons. The man may not have struck him physically, but I felt the violence in that man, and he would have thought nothing of sinking my child's teeth into the street curb. 
and one man in another incident threatened as much out loud. And there are plenty of others out there who would do nothing less because he is black. And with the media backdrop in the middle of our personal experiences, we hear of unarmed black men being shot, heightening the truth of what we've already seen. If numerous men could already threaten my sweet little boy, what would they do if he was older or if we weren't present to protect him? I know he will not be completely safe. My fears are real and I'm watching this play out and it's happening. Not every day, but it is still a part of our experience. And it is every bit as bad as I imagined, except I think it's worse. I don't want racism and hate to destroy this beautiful spirit. So I love him fiercely. Hate strikes with a poisonous venom, but sustained love is the only way to combat it. I was a nervous wreck for a few months. I spoke to almost no one about it. It's so hard to talk about it. It's physically painful to speak about it. It's like talking about a rape because you've been violated. The wounds go that deep. The helplessness and futility that accompanies the rage will choke you. I've lived my whole life without that kind of hate and injustice in my repertoire, but I live with it now. And if you haven't experienced it yourself, then it is extremely easy to write off such incidences as contrived or over-racialized, suggesting that race really has nothing to do with it. But I can tell you that race has everything to do with these acts of senseless violence. You can feel the degradation oozing from the hate-filled person and it doesn't make sense. It's a whole other level of mean. The white people in my family have never had anything like these injustices, indecencies, or atrocities inflicted upon them over something so arbitrary. But my children of color have and they didn't do anything different from their white siblings to provoke the situations. Same family, different skin colors. People's perceptions of my children are very different from one child to the next, and it isn't fair, and it brings about a heartache I can't describe. I see the world with both lenses, and I'm appalled that one group can have it so much better than another. It steals a certain freedom that says you can go anywhere and just enjoy your day. I took it for granted that everyone had this freedom, but not any longer. I never know if or when our day will be so violently interrupted, but it's only a matter of time before it happens again, all because of the layer of tissue that holds all our organs in and our bones together. Racism is preposterous and absurd, which is why you feel so futile and fearful in the face of it. It's insane. It's unbelievable. But it is real, folks, and it is true. I won't back down from loving through it. He will rise up stronger, and I can feel it in his spirit. He is strong, and he still loves. He still laughs. If he can keep going, he'll survive this. Racism is an altogether different kind of meanness. 
when you're in the moment, you just know, even if the N-word is never used. To read or to listen to Ruth Bear's Witness stories, visit ruthbearswitness.wordpress.com. Thanks for joining me today. Take care and God bless.